Welcome to Solving the Financial Puzzle, where every week we discuss the latest issues surrounding the complicated world of personal finance. Each week, join Walter Storholt and certified financial planner Dan Capril as they help you put together the pieces of your own financial puzzle. And for more information on today's topic, visit matsonandcapril.com. This is the Solving the Financial Puzzle podcast. Walter Storholt alongside Dan Capril. He is a certified financial planner and local wealth coach in Cincinnati and the surrounding areas. He has offices in Cincinnati, Beaver Creek, and in northern Kentucky as well. You can find past podcasts on quizdan.com or subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. And if you want to get in touch with the phone number, that is 513-563-563 plan. We are taking some of your questions on today's podcast. I'm reaching into the old-fashioned mailbag, Dan, and pulling out a couple of good ones from our listeners here, and so I'll be interested to hear your responses to these. I always like this part of the show because we get to really get some different uh, types of questions, uh, cover lots of different topics all in one show. The first one comes to us from Fred in Columbus, and Fred says, I'm retiring in two years, but I'll probably live another 30, so it seems like I shouldn't be invested very conservatively if I have three more decades of investing ahead of me. Do you think I'm right? Well, I don't know if you're going to live in a 30 years, Fred. If, if you want to, I, I, you know, God willing, good, go for it. Um, you know, assuming you're going to retire at 60, 90 is still a bit above the, the average, but um, that's great. I mean, I think that you should plan for a long retirement because failure to do so has all kinds of trappings, as, as you can imagine. You can run any money prematurely. You can get eaten up by inflation, etc. You certainly should have, in my opinion, everybody should have an element of their portfolio that fights inflation and gives you real growth and fights taxes and gives you real growth. And over the history of mankind, over the history of capitalism, nothing has done that as well as equities. So to have an element in your portfolio in stocks, primarily through, say, a mutual fund, hopefully an index-like mutual fund, yeah, I would agree with you. I think that that's, that's a good thing. I get very concerned when I see people go to these dinner seminars that insurance salesmen put on, and they convince them that the sky is going to fall, and that they should therefore give a significant, if not all their money, to an insurance company, and in return receive a very low payout, but it's a payout for life. Hmm. And you need to understand that their whole goal is to give you back the money you gave them and not a dollar more. In fact, they really would rather give you less money than you give them because in many cases, that's when the income stream stops as as soon as you die. So even though you might have given them the money and died five years later, there's nothing left for your estate. So I do think that you're you're wise in that you're thinking about having a a portfolio that's going to have an equity element. Having said that, though, you need to control your volatility, Fred. So to be 100% equities, in my opinion, would be foolish because the way the math of retirement works. See, understand that when you're retired you're, and you're living off your portfolio, in many cases, you're selling a part of your portfolio every single month for income. You're taking advantage of unrealized gains, dividends that come in, interest that comes in. But you're probably relying heavily on unrealized gains. The fact that the average price of a mutual fund might have started when you bought at $10 is now worth $15 a share. That 10 to 15 that profit there, that's income to you. You just haven't taken it yet. So you are selling part of your portfolio for income. However, when the market goes down, when equity prices drop in value, 
you have to sell even more shares than you did previously to get the same check. So even though the market could come back, and probably will, I mean, always has, those extra shares you sold, they're gone. You're never going to get them back. And as a result, you could average the rate of return that you desire and still run out of money very early on in retirement if you don't keep this volatility in check. So it's very important that you have the balance that's there. There's a number of ways that you can create this balance between equities and something else. Fixed income investments like bonds, even in some cases annuities, can be useful ways to do it. But there has to be a well-thought-out plan as to why you're, you're going out with the percentages that you're doing so that that volatility can be measured and to a large extent managed. So great insight because too often I hear the opposite argument. You know, they feel like retirement is the end result and they forget the money's going to last a long time. And you do need it to grow because, let's face it, in, in 30 years, Fred, you could very easily see the price of everything double twice. Wow. And it just with normal inflation. I mean, with three with 4% inflation, prices will double in 18 years. 3% inflation, about 25 years. So at the very least, you're going to see your prices double. Now, that's going to be hard to do if your money's all sitting in the bank or if it's only getting 3 4%. Because if that's what inflation is and you're getting taxed on top of it, you're going broke safely. You're, so you're, the you're talking 6 to $8 for a gallon of milk, just for for perspective yeah. there. And if it's three exactly. times, then maybe it's 9 or $10 for a gallon of milk. Probably the only thing that won't go up like that because it never has is gasoline. Yeah. <laughs> you know, gasoline is the most, you know, because it's a, it's a pure supply and demand deal and our supply is far greater than, you know, the environmentalists ever want to admit. But yeah, milk, all that stuff. Heck, just go back and research what milk was. I always think of it in terms of stamps. I remember as a kid, so I was born in 1963. So my earliest memories are like 1968, which, you know, was a very volatile time in our country. So my parents were talking about stuff all the time. And, you know, people getting assassinated all the time. I didn't know who they were. But um, I remember back then the stamp was four cents. And it's now almost 50. So, you know, that's a lot of doubling over that period of time. Yeah. So great question. Yes, you need to have a balance. Now, what should that balance look like? It depends. It depends on you. It depends on your situation. Um, and that's why, you know, the type of work that we do is designed to help you do that. So if you've never had the risk and return dimensions of your portfolio statistically measured, and just about 99% of the people we meet with have never had that done, you need to get that done so that you know what you're faced with. You get an idea as to not only what your average return is likely to be, but what your worst one-year return is statistically likely to be. And we have a system for that. We call it a portfolio MRI. It's part of our wealth coaching program. So I would encourage you to, um, to get that done. And, and if you don't have that done and that's something that interests you, give my office a call, 513-563-PLAN. That's 513-563-7526. Or go to quizdan.com and request it there, and we'll get it to you. That's also where you can submit questions to be featured on the show on quizdan.com, and we'll take another one here on the Solving the Financial Puzzle podcast from Carrie in Cincinnati. Carrie says, what's going to happen to tax rates in the future? Oh, good, a tax question. Dale, yeah, jump all over yeah, that. I love those, yeah. I've always assumed they'll be going up for the rest of my life, but now I'm thinking maybe they'll go down. What do you think? Yeah, so the election probably got you thinking, Kerry, uh, because let's face it, up, up until recently, everybody, we got to raise them, we got to raise them, we got to raise them. And, um, and now we have an administration of Congress that isn't thinking about raising them. All right, in the future, 
let's face it, the future is long term. I do think in the, well, I'll put it to you this way. There's no doubt that the current administration is going to try to lower them, particularly on the business side. Here's the thing, though, you need to understand, Kerry. You need to understand what we're confronted with nationally from a demographic side. The baby boomers are a huge, huge generation. They make up about one in five people. And every day, 10,000 of them are turning 65. So every day, a massive amount of people are filing for Social Security benefits, filing for Medicare benefits, in some cases, Medicaid benefits for their long-term care needs. And this generation is going to be around for quite some time. The only generation that's bigger than the baby boomers in terms of number of people are the millennials. But they range in age from zero (laughs) to (laughs) 25, I don't know, maybe 30. They're not very old. They're not earning a lot of money. And if you look at the financial needs of our nation, while I do believe strongly history bears out that if you lower taxes, economies will grow and treasury revenues do go up, that's not necessarily how we get our money for things like Medicare and Medicaid. So I do have a really serious concern that long term we're going to look for rates to go up. And this is why I feel very strongly that if you're still working, you need to start positioning some of your money into tax-free accounts. There's a number of ways that you can do that. We have an entire seminar designed to show you how to do that. So if that is something that that you're interested in, what you want to do is you either want to go to quizdan.com and you want to request information on that. And we even have it in webinar format. We can send that to you as well. Or give my office a call, 513-563-PLAN. You can also order our Retirement Rescue Toolkit, which delves into this issue. Now, so getting back to this. Our 401ks, our IRAs, in most cases have never been taxed. The idea here is that when we retire, we'll be able to pull them out at a lower tax rate than when we're working. You might be. You may be pulling them out at a higher tax rate, though, than you think you're going to pull them out. And understand this, that money from the 401ks and IRAs, that affects whether or not your Social Security benefits get taxed. You know, when they decided to tax Social Security benefits, what they did in essence was lower your Social Security benefits without technically lowering them. That's how they work in Washington. That was Tip O'Neill's idea back in the 80s. We got to be very careful about this. We need to have a strategy that protects us against rising taxes. And most people do not. You know, they, they, they invest and they get growth, but they, they miss a very big, important part of it. And man, you talk about a bear market. What's, what's worse than a bear market than taxes that take a third of your portfolio from you? It's crazy. There are proactive steps that you can do. So long-term, carry. I think they're going to go up. Short-term, I'm praying they go down. <laughs> Here's my prayer. Here's my prayer. My prayer is they go down and we have politicians who are fiscally responsible, who don't view a decline in an increase as a cut, because that's how they do it now. If you... Uh, you know, if you lower the growth of, a, of any spending, that's considered a cut in their mind. So that's what I pray will happen. I just don't think that it will. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a cynic in that, in that regard. So we don't have enough courage, and it's like making sausage tax policy. So get a copy of the Retirement Rescue Toolkit, which delves deeply into how to deal with rising taxes. And again, get it. Go to quizdan.com. It, you can't miss it. As soon as you type in that, boom, you're going to see it right in front of you. You click, you enter your information. I've even done a preview in a, in a uh, video on there. They'll tell you a little bit more about what it is once you click. So 
Uh, take advantage of that information. We, we literally send out dozens of these every single week, and it's because I think we're providing information no one else is getting. We should clarify that when you say tax policy is like sausage, you mean it's like making sausage and not yeah, eating I'm sausage. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I tend to abbreviate <laughs> not that. Even, it's not like, even close to as tasty as yeah. They say if you watch sausage <laughs> being made, you will never eat sausage. Yeah. I love sausage, so I refuse to, to watch it get made. They say that a lot about a lot of things. They do. Yeah, they, 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 they do. Well, even just, you know, meat in general. Yeah. You know, say if yeah. you want to become a, a uh, vegetarian, go to a slaughterhouse and watch it, which I'm like, why would I want to do that? Do you know how good filet mignon tastes? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to know some of these things. I don't want to know. Ignorance, in some cases, it's bliss. You but, know, you know, like, then I think back to my grandmother on, a, on the farm, you know, chopping yeah. off the heads of chicken and serving mm-hmm. it for dinner that night. And, you know, all of our ancestors did. They, did were, like they were a much hardier stock, a much stronger people than we are today. So. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, all right. One more question here, Dan, for the podcast. This okay. is from Kyle and Anderson. And Kyle says, should I be worried about what will happen to the market if we end up in some type of international conflict? It certainly is all over the news about all the potential. I mean, every yeah. single country seems like uh, the yeah. way the news is painting it, at least, is going to be in a war with us at some point in the near future. Uh, yeah. Kyle says, I don't even like watching the news anymore. And I don't think you're yeah. alone in that. Oh, idea. gosh, no. I hate watching the news. Now you got I I get almost all my news by reading. I just like which is just as bad, but at least yeah. I don't have to listen to the diatribe of the um the so-called journalists who aren't journalists anymore. And I say that cuz I was a journalism undergrad and it um I I have a couple of professors. They're probably dead now. They must be rolling in their graves when they they hear the opinions that supposedly hard news people are providing. But uh okay, should you be worried if the market went up in some kind of international conflict? All right. Kyle, I don't know how old you are, but it really doesn't matter. In your entire life, we have always been involved in an international conflict. It's just the facts of life. So I was born in 1963, February 1963. During that period of time, we were probably as close as we ever were to a nuclear war. That was when we had the infamous um, Cuban Missile Crisis where the Soviets were bringing nukes into Cuba and President Kennedy was telling them to stand down. And it literally became, who's going to blink first? All right, so we moved into that. Then we had the Vietnam War, which up until recently was our longest war. But it was a far worse conflict than what we deal with today with the Middle East. Not belittling what's going on at all at the Middle East, but we sent a ton of men and women uh, to Vietnam and um, many, many, many farm. We lost as many in a month as I think we, we've lost so far in our in total in our conflicts in the Middle East. So um, very difficult, difficult time. Then, we, of course, we had the Cold War. We've had the issues in the Middle East for, well, since the 1940s. International conflicts are the norm. They have always happened. All I can tell you is that it's like everything with bad news. It's going to happen. The history of of life has told us it's never been permanent. It's never lasted. That capitalism, freedom tend to find a way. Now, if you sent me back to, say, 1919 Russia, I would probably not do a very good job in convincing people that things will get better because (laughs) it took like 70 years for that to happen. But in, in, in essence, understand that not only is international conflict the norm, 
it's already been factored into the prices. The markets are very well aware of that. Now, nuclear war, a whole different game. But nuclear war is probably the one thing, the one piece of bad news we will never recover from, and it won't matter because we probably won't be here. I think logically, if you look at what's happening, say, in North Korea, and I'm not trying to get political on this show, but understand that crazy dude, Kim Jong Kim Jong Un, whatever the hell his name is, he, he exists. <laughs> yeah, Un. Un. That dude exists only because China lets him exist. And, and China um, is very much a player in the world trade market. So China's attitude is it's the devil they know versus the devil they don't know. And we've kind of given them, I hate to say it, some examples of that with some of the despots that we've overthrown here lately, and they've been replaced by something for worse. So I'm not telling you that you shouldn't ignore these things. Here's what I am telling you. If you're going to be a realist about the future, you have to have a piece of optimism in your body because over the long run, good news does prevail. Secondly, you don't want to have all of your money sitting in one region of the world. You want to certainly have it spread out and it doesn't have to, it shouldn't always all be in equities. So these problems are going to occur. I don't have a crystal ball. I just look at history as a guide. And I think that it's very easy sometimes to look at current bad news and feel that this time it's different. We did a segment once before called, you know, lies we tell ourselves. And that's another one. You know, this time it's different. And usually that's being done as for mm. reason to, to take some really bad investment decisions, yeah. like putting all, putting all your money in pork bellies or something. I, I was wrong the previous seven times, but this time I'll be, I'll yeah, be correct. Yeah, right. This time I've got it, you know, I've got it right. You know, it's, uh, it's like when Al Gore said, you know, I don't know how many years ago that the world would be gone in 10 years. So, and then he comes out now and he says, but this time it's different. So we're going to hear that. Again and again. You, the key here is to be very globally diversified. But if you don't have that type of optimism in you, if you really don't feel that over time, good and freedom find a way, you need to invest according to your mindset. And if your mindset is that way, if you're not going to sleep at night because of the possibility that some of these things can happen, then, um, then don't. But just understand the consequences of that. Understand that if you do have all your money in things like certain commodities or in cash or soybeans, whatever, understand that if the bad news doesn't go your way, uh, that if good news prevails, you may not have the consequences to you are going to be quite bad. I'm not going to say they're going to be worse than nuclear war because nothing's going to be worse than nuclear war. But it's just very easy for us to interpolate the current bad news and somehow view it's different. But just read your history. Heck, just read about the 1940s and tell me that the news of the day compares in any way to the 1940s. I, I don't see how it could. I mean, I'd have a hard time being optimistic in the 1940s because, quite frankly, if it wasn't for a few little things here or there, you know, Hitler could have won. And if, and if Hitler won in Europe, and presumably the Japanese would have um, held in Asia, they would have both been staring down at us from both coasts. So we got through that. We've gotten through a lot of other things. The world today, despite the insanity, I would argue is actually a lot more sane than it used to be. But the news, as you pointed out, the news amplifies it so much that after a while we start to think, what the heck is going on? So control the diet of news that you have. Understand what media outlets are likely to tell it to you logically and which ones aren't, and consume accordingly. 
Um, but uh, it's like anything in life. If, you, if you're going to obsess with that information, it's probably going to motivate you into making bad decisions. And this is the difference between, you know, what we talk about is just traditional planning versus real coaching, real coaching for our clients and showing them those things. And that's the type of work that we do with our clients. I mean, we educate them a lot on the history of, of the world, the history of investment, so that they can see that sometimes there's a level of logic that they're avoiding and we're not aware of. And if you haven't been getting that infusion of logic, if, if you find yourself being so much more um, motivated by the news of the day, the negative news of the day, and you think it's pushing you towards making bad decisions, let us talk. Let's just sit down with you. Let's talk about your situation. Let's at least show you the direction that you're heading. Let us play a little point counterpoint with you to make sure that you are making the right decisions. And uh, the way to do that is very easy. Either go to our website, quizdan.com. There's a button there where you can ask me any question that you want. Or come on in, sit down. We'll get a feel of your current situation. And if I think I can help you, if I think our wealth coaching program can be of assistance to you, I'll show you that. If I don't, and just so you know, only about half the people who come see me, I offer our services too. So we're rather selective. But if, uh, if I think I can, um, I can help you, and I think you're going to be a right fit, I'm going to show you that too. So either go to quizdan.com, give my office a call, 513-563-PLAN. That's 513-563-7526. Dan has offices in Cincinnati, Beaver Creek, and in northern Kentucky as well. And again, quizdan.com, the place to go to submit your questions to be featured on a future segment of The Mailbag here on Solving the Financial Puzzle. That's quizdan.com. You can also uh, request other materials there and get in touch, or you can call 513-563-PLAN. That's another great edition of Solving the Financial Puzzle podcast. Next week, we're going to have a podcast called There Is No Nostradamus. It's one of the chapters in Dan's book, and it's uh, all about a little bit more detail about news and about how that drives markets and about predicting the future. going to be a really engaging podcast, one you'll want to listen to. That's coming up next time on Solving the Financial Puzzle. Thanks for tuning in to Solving the Financial Puzzle. If you want to find out more about Dan Capril or about today's topic, visit matsonandcapril.com. And be sure to join us for the next edition of Solving the Financial Puzzle. Information provided on today's show is provided for information purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Always consult with an investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action. Dan Capril is an investment advisor representative of MPM Wealth Advisors and Capril Wealth Coaching, LLC. Both firms are registered investment advisors. To obtain a copy of Form ADV and a private policy statement for either firm, call 800-353-7923.